We're into Paragimel Ramchal. We are into We are into Paragimel of Ramchal. And in this Parag Ramchal it's very it's very sophisticated, very fundamental Parag. Ramchal is going to talk about man, what the purpose of man is. It's a very fundamental parak, it has a tremendous amount of very important information in order to have an understanding of what's going on. So the Ramchal says that as I have said, Kvahas Kazuchanui says, that man is the creature I don't know if they choose that word. Man is the being that was created to be dovable into the Himself. Okay? And it's funny, each line of the Ramchal you really have to talk about. You know, you can go fast and you just get what's called the general gist of what he's saying. But it's always nice to elaborate on what the Ramchal is saying. And the whole point of this year is that we're learning Derech Hashem But what he says is that man is that being which is created to achieve Vekas. Vekas means attachment. To be attached or be connected to the Rabbanu Shalom. You know, that itself means, like, what do you mean attached or uh, connected to the Rabbanu well, what it really means is, as, as I said, what it really means to be attached or connected to the Shekhinah, that's the manifestation of God to us. To us is the Shekhinah itself. Uh, you know, if you really think about it, which is, I think, interesting, reality, or the reality, reality is that which is which means that which has existence. That is reality. But there are different dimensions of reality. You know, if we start from the lowest level of reality, we were talking about, well, there's a physical universe. There's a universe, it's physical, obviously. What does a physical universe mean? It means it consists of energy and matter in all the different forms of manifestation. Uh, you know, what the atoms, and then there's molecules, and then there's compounds, mixtures, and so on. And of course, uh, there's space, time. I think I once mentioned that the fundamental ideas of this universe, there are seven seemingly fundamental ideas of this universe. Seven fundamental elements. One is the concept of space, time. matter, energy, although according to Einstein they're really different forms of the same thing. I sense that time and matter, time and space are really Yeah, so I, but it's still, you know, we experience it certainly as different. So we have space, time, matter, energy, life, which nobody has any inkling of what it is. In fact, they don't even agree on the definition of what life is. Is a virus alive or not? And so on. So you have life and so on. Then you have even higher, I'm going high, 
you have the concept of consciousness, where a person is aware not only of the outside reality, but he's also aware that who he is. He is aware, as they say, that he is aware. It's a very high form of consciousness. Not only is he aware of what he experiences sensually, uh, according to senses, but he is aware that he is aware, even the abstract, he understands. And then the last thing, seventh, which is really very, very interesting, is that the universe is completely in motion. Motion. Everything's moving. And, you know, Einstein said that everything is moving. There's no, nothing is fixed, which is an interesting concept. Why is everything moving? There's nothing fixed. And all motion is relative to each other. You know, you have to assume, well, this is fixed and I'm moving. But really, that's moving relative to something else. And so on. So, in any case, those are the seven different parts of the physical universe. Okay? Space, time, material, matter, energy, uh, uh, life, consciousness, and motion. There you are. Okay, so, but that's only one reality called the physical reality. Then there's another reality, I should say another dimension of reality. Okay? And that is what's called the uh, spiritual universe. And the spiritual universe has a different set of laws. We, don't, we have no idea what that is. But just like we have laws, laws are what are the governing uh, operations consistently of this universe. Then there's another universe called the spiritual universe that has its own constructs, ideas, of which, of which we have no idea of what it means. That's number two. Then number three, all of this, the physical universe and the spiritual universe, will ultimately dissolve into what's called which is the future world. Future world is not spiritual, which is a mistake that people make. So we can divide into So the physical universe and the spiritual universe is Then there's a future world which, I mean, relative to us, it's spiritual. Relative to us, you know, it's different, it's higher. But it's not even spiritual. Because it's not material. That's it's, well, certainly not material. It's higher than spiritual. It's higher than spiritual. That's what it means, I am a raw, so nobody knows what it is. How do we define spirituality? How do we define spirituality? That's a good question. It's very hard to define something that we don't know what it is. What's we can just say that anything spiritual cannot be perceived in any physical way. That would apply to Olam Haba too. Yeah, it would, yeah, yeah. So that's a poor definition. But something that exists, but it's not physical. Well, it exists, well, yeah. But that's also... Uh, so therefore, the, most people think, well, there's Olam Haba and Olam Haba spiritual. <coughs> well, that's a mistake. I mean, relative to us, it's certainly spiritual, you see. But, but really, you have to look at, not in terms of Ruchnis, Gashmis and Ruchnis, physical and spiritual, you really have to look at that there are at least three dimensions. Uh, one is physical, and the other is spiritual, and that is Oilam Hazer, this world. Then there's a third aspect, which I said is Oilam Habo, which is a future world, of which we have absolutely no conception. Even Malochim don't know. Nobody knows what it is. So clearly it's a different type of reality. That's an important idea. Well, so there's really Oilam Hazer, and Olam Habo, this world and the next. And within this world, there's the physical and spiritual. 
You know, I guess say, and if you want to use the word spiritual to it's relative. It's a relative term. But it's not really spiritual in that sense. We could say it's not physical, but then the spiritual universe is also not physical. Uh, but Ulam Habo is different. It is so different that we have no concept of what, what are the components no. and what are the behaviors or operations of that dimension. And that's three. Yeah, would you ask? No, I'm just wondering in what way is it different? In other words, we know that spirit that yes, but what, in what spiritual is, is not distinction? physical. Uh, There's the distinction between Om Haba, even in a in a in a in, in a good question. I will attempt to answer that. And that is so. So far, we have three different realities, right? Then the fourth reality was third. Well, the spiritual was third. There's a physical, the spiritual, and then the future world. And, and right? Okay, so we have three different realities. Then there's a fourth reality. What else? What else is there? Wow, right? That's called Shina. The Shina. It is the manifestation of God as he like I say, as he manifests himself to us. It is the noble concept of God. Noble. Noble in the sense that we are aware of his existence. Although we have no idea. We have no idea of what the Shrina is, and so on. So therefore, the nigla of the Rabbanu the Shrina, I would say, constitutes the fourth dimension reality, because the Shrina is is not Oynam Habo, although we experience it in Oynam Habo. Okay, so that's number four. Is so that what Rabbi said? Is, is existence itself? Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then there's number five. And number five is God in, in and of who he is, Be'atzmoy. The Shekhinah is not the Rav in that sense. It is a manifestation or is something that we can know that he is. But, you know, but uh, even that which we know isn't him, really. He is not knowable. It sounds funny. The Rav is not knowable. Ah, very strange concept, you know, that he's not knowable, you know. And that's why it says, like I once explained in the beginning a long time ago, If you want to praise God, what's the best way of praising God? Silence. I don't know. Anything. I mean, we pray, we pray because praying to some being means we know of his existence. But the Bansham is not really knowable. The concept of knowable doesn't apply to God. So, therefore, the Bansham had to create the concept called Shechina and the concept called he's knowable. You know, you gotta think about these things. They're very, very abstract. But I think we can grasp them. So therefore, those are there are five realities, <coughs> so to speak, that we can think of. Uh, so the Ramban <coughs> mentions that the whole tachlis that man is a being that is created to be dovok, to be attached to God. Now, attached to who? Well, it's not Atzmusoy, because that, that's not a noble thing. It's not the Roshan in and who, in and who, whoever he is, is not experienceable. That's it. But the Shechina is what we experience. And in Oilem Habo is the experiencing of God, Shechina. So as far as we talk, we always talk about the Shechina, we don't talk about Atzmusoy, the Roshan. Which is called the and remember one thing: the Shechina, Ein Sof is the Shechina. 
When I do my Musa, I'm not talking about Ain't Surf, the infinite one. You know, any, any term we use to refer to God is always the noble God. That's it. And so on. So Ain't Surf, which is what they call the Ain't Surf and so on, that is a manifestation of the Bersham, which is, an, it's really a Nivra. The Bersham is not Ain't Surf, nothing. It's not, not noble who and what he is. Rather lofty. I always, I always like to, I always get a kick out of those people. You know how how infantile people are when they talk about God. You know, or, or, you know, is God a man or a woman? Which is a it's a debate. Is he male or female? That's very interesting. You know, uh, you know, is he uh, is God infinite? You know, is God? You know, uh, that, that's why you think of religions. You know, like like Christianity, where they talk about God. You know that there's a man that is God or something like you know, you know, whatever happened to the intelligence of man? How they slept God down into a physical being? It's absurd. That's how you know. And I always told you what the essence of Christianity. What Christianity really is. It's paganism with a Jewish veneer. You know, you ever go to a window shop? There's a there's a you go to a store. It's got a window with all kinds of, it's been set up very nicely, and you go to the store and it's all of a sudden there's something else, you know? It's, a, it's paganism with the Jewish veneer. It's a front. Christianity is fundamentally a front to get people in to something that makes more sense than paganism. That's all. That's, you know, what? Well, and then there's reform. And then there's reform. <laughs> and then there's reform. <laughs> <laughs> it's also with the Jewish veneer. Reformed? Yeah. Well, I meant that as a joke. There's a Jewish veneer also. Well, reformed and conservative and reconstructionist, there are complete aberrations and distortions of Judaism. They're not, Christianity is not a distortion of Judaism. It isn't Judaism. You see, it's a difference. It's paganism. You know. But the other, the other so-called you know, uh, segments, you know, they're just incredible aberrations and distortions, because they don't believe in a trinity. You know, I'm, I'm not even sure if they believe in God. Some of them, reconstructionists, I don't think believes in God. <coughs> you know, whatever, but it's it's a it's an incredible distortion of Judaism, aberration, as they say. Anyway, so 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 we experience the Shemuel Habo. So that's the but the question is, Dvekis is a is a physical term, it needs to be attached. The real question is, what do we use the word attachment? What does it mean? Well, attachment simply means that you are in such proximity to another being that you have some type of knowledge of that being. That's what it means. When you're, when you're next to somebody, you, know, you have the greatest knowledge of that being because you are experiencing that being. So that's what Vegas is. In some manner, we are attached to God, which means that we have an incredible proximity, so to speak, to the Rabbanishlam, to the Shrina, that we have some type of knowledge of God. In other words, there's a giloi, there is a revelation of some sort. And, that, and I had mentioned a long time ago that the revelation is the experiencing of existence itself, being itself. We have no idea of what that means I mean, I once explained, right, that existence itself increases, which is impossible, because existence has no degrees. You, 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 as they say, 
you either is or you ain't, in correct English. You either exist or you don't exist. There's no in-between. There's no degrees of existence, you know. doesn't allow for degrees and so on. But, you know, the Mahabha, since the essence of God, and you think about that, the essence of the Shekhinah, really, is existence. You know, it's the greatest thing of all. And, and therefore, when you are connected or attached to God, you are experiencing existence itself, which means what is existence? What does it mean to be? And what is your existence? And how is your existence distinct from God's? And that's what you're really experiencing. And in that experience is an unbelievable kind of enjoyment. It's like, it's all of a sudden, when you experience and you have knowledge of existence, and therefore you, something, you exist more, and as a result of that, there's an incredible pleasure to that state. That's about the most you can say, really, you know? Uh, and therefore, that's what Vedic says. You know, you, know, you don't connect to God, you don't touch, you know, you're not, we're not touching the Srina. But the attachment is a metaphor that says that you're attached to God, and therefore, you're experiencing a knowledge of God is beyond comprehension. And therefore, it is just a, an unbelievable state. That's really the most you can say, you know. The Ramchal does say in another place that there are other ta'anugim going on. There are other pleasures going on, which is mashma. There are other things going on, like even this world. You know, there's, there's many different forms of, many different sources of pleasure. There's no question about that. You know, there's hundreds of sources of pleasure, and uh, everybody's trying to get them. That's what this world is all about, to try to get as many sources as possible. You know, before they go and so on, you know. So there are other sources of pleasure, but all of them are, is not the real pleasure. The real pleasure is, is vacus, is, is to be connected to the version of And that obviously is shamus, is perfection. You can't get more perfect than, if you, than the state in which you are completely familiar and knowledgeable and you actually experience a greater existence. That is the greatest perfection of all. You think about that. And we don't know what that means. We don't know, obviously, what that means. So. Okay. So man is the being that is created for that purpose. Important, very important idea. Uh, so to explain what the existences are, the dimensions of reality, and what is the idea of the Rebosham, uh, experiencing the Rebosham. Yeah. So he says, so the he and man is, is, is put, mutelis between Shlemus and Chesuenus. He is placed between a situation, interesting situation. He is placed between a situation of deficiency and perfection. You know, so what that would simply mean, I mean, there are many, there are many levels of perfection and deficiency. But clearly the greatest deficiency, if we understand what, what is perfection? Vegas. Because you are experiencing your own existence. In some manner, you are experiencing God's existence, right? And in some manner, you are experiencing greater existence. That's perfect. You can't get perfect. You mean perfect. perfection from man? I'm talking about, yeah. real perfection is, is The perfection of man, yeah. Right. 
So when Ramchal says that man is placed between perfection and deficiency, I'm, I'm right now headed for the greatest perfection of all. The greatest perfection of all is to exist completely. And if existence has degrees, then what's happening? The more you exist, the greater you are perfect. What the amazing thing about that, you know, because it's, you know, is that in this world you have existence, well, you have non-existence, then you have existence, and then you have the degrees of existence. The amazing thing is that the degrees of existence is infinite. And therefore, Olim Habo is infinite. That's the amazing thing. It's not like you is or you ain't. You know, you exist, you don't exist, now you do, and that's all there is. No. You will now go every single, I, I don't know if it's day, nanosecond, whatever it is. Whatever the time period is, it's a constant growth, upwardness of existence. You see? So that is the greatest perfection of all. So clearly the deficiency would be what? Would be just to exist and that's it. Nothing more than that. Just to be and that's it. You see? You see, people think that perfection and, and um, <coughs> is the type of being you are. You know? Like, like somebody who's strong, we would say is more perfect than somebody who's weak. Right? But that's the quality of their existence. It's not the fact of existence, you see. Whereas, what, what is really, the, the greatest perfection is existence and the ability to upgrade on that. And the greatest deficiency, right, is not the ability to upgrade. But then there's a second level of deficiency. That even in that which exists, it's not the same. It's different qualitative existence. You see, like somebody who's brilliant, whereas somebody who's retarded. Yeah, I'm really going to two different ends of that, you know. Uh, well, the one per person who's brilliant, we would say, is obviously much more perfect than somebody who's retarded. But brilliance and retardation are nothing more than different quantities of intellect and <coughs> achieve, right? So therefore, we would say the quality of this person lies in the attribute called intelligence. But, but the, real, the real understanding of perfection and deficiency is Oilam Habo and no, and you're not an Oilam Habo. If you are an Oilam Habo, the experiencing an Oilam Habo is perfection because it deals with existence itself. You see? And therefore, the deficiency is not to be an Oilam Habo. In this world, however, there is deficiency and perfection, so the perfection wouldn't be about existence, that's already a defect, but it would be about the qualities of, or the attributes <coughs> of what a person has. Intelligence, brilliant versus retarded, strength versus weak, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, whatever, all the different qualities that a person has and so on, you know? Um, so uh, what I'm trying to point out is that there are, two, there are two different kinds of perfection and imperfections. There's Oilam Habo and everything before it. See? So that's a deficiency of existence itself. And then in Oilam Hazat there is a deficiency. 
you see. Malochim are perfect in, 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 in that attribute, in, in the concept of attributes, a Malach is perfect, you know, whereas we are imperfect. But both of us are imperfect relative to Ilm Habo. Because Malachim don't experience a, gr- a growth in existence itself, not at all. They're, but their being is much greater qualitatively than we. Have I got that distinction between the two different, that there is a, a perfection and non-perfection or unperfection and deficiency in rel- relative to Oilam Habo and relative to Oilam Hazeh, which includes the spiritual universe. How's that sound so far? Have I got that? Yes? You don't got that? I, I, I get, but obviously there's a thousand questions. What, there's a what? There's, there are a lot of questions popping up. Well, like, sure give, you, give me one. Well, one of it is, you know, in my book, you said that we keep on experiencing more and more experience, more and more existence. existence. So then the first day in my book is called, it's not called Shremus, since the next day is going to be more of it. So, oh, fine. Okay, but once you tap into existential growth, you know, then that's perfection. That itself is perfection. Because you're tapping into the, the, the end-all, be-all of everything, and that is the quality called existence. So we're all going to be on the same level when we get to the Ramadan? No, no. The starting point apparently is different. In other words, whoever's in the Ramadan will be experiencing this, but where do you start from? If you start from a higher point, then you are going to have a much greater kind of enjoyment than the guy who starts lower, even though you're both in the same ladder, so to speak. And what does it have to grow from, di- from, from time to time? Yeah. Why can't you just experience the same thing all inf- infinitely? Like, why does it have to keep on growing? I mean, why not just experience immediately the, top, the, the best whatever okay. level you, you're up to? Yeah. That's a very valid question. Why don't you just give it to me and that's the end of it, you know? <coughs> what do I have to, you know, uh, what do I have to uh, achieve at the levels and so on and so forth? It's a good question, you know? Um, Is that a given? It, perhaps, perhaps not, perhaps. You know, if you really think about it, the only being but let's assume God would give it to you right away, as we said. Let's assume the experiencing of levels of existence itself would be immediate. Or rather, not in levels, but immediate. Yes? What would you be? What would you be? What's the answer to that question? You would be God. You'd be God, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be God? Or the Shrina? That is the Shrina. In that sense, I mean the, the highest sh- level is Shina. Yeah, we're never going to get the highest level. No, well, then, no, his question is why not? Why no, can't no, we no, do no. this? There is, there is a your, your question is a very high level that we're going to get to. We don't yes, know yes. Why can we get that first level? The, one, the level that we will get in one trillion trillion years. Like yeah, get one right below. Yeah, yeah, one right below. Infinity. Yeah. Like, one, I mean, the one right below the which doesn't exist, whatever you can't say. immediately and so on and so forth. Um, I don't, I, that's a good question. I don't really know. You know, I, 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 don't, I have no idea what that would be. Uh, to be. To imagine to have a level of existence, one level below the Shrina, 
what does it mean to be different to expand yeah. your level of existence? What you that you actually exist more? What does that mean? You either, you uh, well, what, 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 we don't you know what it means because we don't know what darkest in existence is. We don't know what that is. I mean, you can't in this world you can't exist more. You can exist longer. You can have a longer existence. You can't exist more. You like I said, you either exist or you don't exist. I mean, what does it recur for this concept? It's because we have existence. Yeah, that we're gonna. Well, it, it, well, it, it answers many questions. Why is the Mosham, what's the name of God that we know yeah, of? That's the Shur you gave earlier. Yudke, that's the Shur I gave earlier, Yudke Vavke. Yudke is his name, right? Where does it come from? What verb? Liyo is to be. Why would the Mosham name be, you know, being? That's really what it is. My name, when Mosham Ben said, what do they call you? So he said, hey, okay, forget the future names, I will be. But what kind of a name is that? What's the answer here? You know, I will be whatever. I forget the drusha. I will be with them in the future. Go. It's just like yeah. some people say it's, it's it's actually not necessarily future. But he was saying in Dikduk, he was saying just like yeah. When we when we talk about a Baruch Hu, it's him. The Yud is is him. When he talks about himself, it's, it's the Aleph of of the I of of, the, of the him. When you talk about yourself, you have a prefix of an Aleph. So he's so okay. that name well, that sounds complicated. Um, why would anybody refer to him when, when we say what's your name? What are we really asking you? <coughs> you mahus, you're, you're, uh, what, in other words, what is your identifying uh, information? In words, what can you tell me about yourself that allows me to identify you? So clearly, your name has to be some type of a manifestation of <coughs> your identity. So when the Bunshim says, hey, yeah, you know, whatever, I say, yeah, whatever, so, so, but like, what's our name? That's merely a statement saying that I will always be. Moshe didn't ask him. He said, what do they call you? So, obviously, it has to be an answer. So the answer is, I am. You know, it's, I am the aming. You know, and we, in English, we have the verb to be. Hebrew, you know. You know, because when you say, I am walking, what, what's the am part of the sentence? Ever wonder? Well, I mean, I am walking. What is that supposed to mean? You know, in Hebrew, you just say, I walk. I'm walking. I need live. You know. That's because Hebrew assumes that if a person walks, he probably exists. So it's not necessary to actually say the word am. Because English is not sure about that. <laughs> so, so English has that I am, you know, I'm, I exist, and I'm walking, by the way. You so know? the fact that, that we... It's a difference, difference in languages, you know. The fact, the fact that how we're going to connect with that existence is, is because it's, it's like there's an Hashem, so you're assuming that we're Yeah, to, and if you think about it, it makes sense. When we say God is Sholem, Ram Khan's going to say later, well, he said that before. Rak boy. Only this is known about him. What? That he's perfect. What in the world does perfect mean? Perfect means what? That there are no deficiencies. But there are no deficiencies relative to what? Relative to some attribute. Because perfection isn't a thing in itself. It is an accident on an object called a quality. In other words, I have a quality and I'm perfect in that quality. Perfection is a level of completeness about a given quality. Am I right? So the question is, what, what is what, what's the quality that the Bershom has that he's complete in? You know what I'm saying? But the Ramchal doesn't say that. When we say he's perfect, there's only one type of thing, which I spoke about. There's only one type of thing a being can be, and he can call himself perfect, and that is existence itself. If I am existence per se, then I'm perfect. Because there can't be anything outside of me because it doesn't exist. You see, so therefore, 
Once you say the Bansham is perfect, you need to say that he is existence itself. He is the concept of existence, or the noun, whatever that is, or the phenomena. Phenomenon. You know? Anyway, I, I had gone to a whole bunch of shit. Uh, you know, so you can always look so, it up on so the internet. So we experience Zvekus in Elamazek, Saying there, are, there is a kind of Zvekus. Yeah, there is Zvekus, yes. Right. But it's relative. It's, it's, it's not the essential Zvekus. It has nothing to do with existence. It is some kind of a, a, a knowing. If I'm Dovik, so sometimes all of a sudden I'm, I'm imparted knowledge of the Bansham. Nevoah. Who's the greatest Dovik in Ilam Hazer? A Novi. Okay. Nevoah is really an essentially a state of Vegas. That's really all it is. Except it's an incredible state of Vegas. Think about that. That's all it is. Right? So, when you have Nevoah, what do you really have? You have experience of God. That's all you're doing. But somehow, it's a greater experiencing of the Rabbana Shalom than not, not a Novi. You know, and so on and so forth. So, fundamentally, Nevoah is the greatest Vegas of Adam Hazet. You see, because the, the, the person experiences God through a whole series of mechanisms. The Shekhinah really connects with the Neshama, which each one of us has up there, and then that transmits a whole bunch of, like, waves, you know, it's called Shefa, and it hits your imagination. And then your imagination forms a movie. You know, it's like somebody took over. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Yeah? It's like, we, can, we, we, we all have uh, the ability to picture. That's the imagination. Yeah? <coughs> you shut your eyes, you can actually picture something, you know? Imagine if I took it over. That would make an interesting novel. Imagine if I had the ability to take over your imagination and I could project onto that screen, the imagination screen, anything I wanted. Wow. Remote be, what? Remote connection. Well, it would be remote. But what a power. Because I can make you believe anything, couldn't I? Because, you know, we have we intuit different pictures. You know, we see things through our imagination and whatever we see, we tend to believe, you know? So imagine if I can control your imagination. That was unbelievable. I'm sure there must have been a, a, some book written like that, sci-fi, science fiction book, or movie where you can actually control somebody's imagination. Well, by the way, Nevoah is that. <coughs> Nevoah is where the Shekhinah controls your imagination. But obviously what you see is incredible because not only do you see something, but you experience the appropriate emotions that that sight gives you. So when you see the Shekhinah, you know, you don't see the, the, the Shekhinah will be, uh, he, he, the, the Russian will appear, like for instance, uh, he's shy, no, he says, I see the Russian is coming, on a, uh, he's coming on a horse and he's all red, which means din. You know, he has all kinds of visions. It's called a vision. But that, that vision is imposed on his imagination and he just sees that and he experiences all the appropriate emotions that that vision should give him. And he experiences the analog of that metaphor. Everything in one instant of time. He sees it all. That's really what Nevoah is. But Nevoah is the ultimate state of focus. But it's different. But it's different because you don't experience existence. You don't experience the Rabbana Shalom. You only experience what he is telling you. He's, it was you experiencing information of the source of which is God. But you don't experience God, really. I mean, you experience God in a certain way. He's closer, 
But if you think about it, what's he really experiencing? He's not experiencing Elokus itself. He's experiencing the information that Elokus is giving him. But of course, in the experiencing of Elokus, or what he's knowing, of course it's beyond, we don't even know what a Novi experienced. What do you call it's it? It's the greatest spiritual experience ever known <coughs> to man. You know, we don't really know, but it's not Ilam Habo. It's not the experience. What happens anyway. if a person walks into Shul and he, and, you know, that was a good Shmoneser area, he's by the Kaisal and he feels something. What, what's that then? Well, that's a Hergish. That's a, a feeling. It feels like people walk out, they feel more connected, whatever, whatever that means. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's emotional. Yeah, you know, it's it's emotional. It's uh, you know, it's emotional. You know, it's just. I mean, you could talk about it physically. When somebody davenish monesre, yes, what is his belief that he's talking to God? If you feel that you're talking to God, you are going to experience emotions. I mean, which comes first, the belief or the emotions? The belief. We experience what we believe. That's what comes first, right? So therefore, if I believe I'm in contact with the Shalom, that I'm standing in his presence, which legitimately you, you, you are, I mean, not literally, but figuratively, it's as if you're standing in the presence that you are petitioning to the Shalom himself, and so on, then you will experience an emotion. You will get what's called an emotional high. At least we should get a high, right? Um, no. Ganeda and Avur, well, in, 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 you're not a Novi in Ganeda, I mean, basically you're dead. So you're not a Novi, but you do experience. <laughs> I'm aware of that. Yeah. But basically, you experience the Bunch, no? When alive. Yeah, but it's called, it's called uh, you know, literally, they're dead. Fi no, no, no. Figuratively, they're dead. Literally, they're not because they went up with their body. But, you know, the absence of life on earth, you know, so in that sense is death. You know, whatever, you know what I mean. It's incomprehensibly, I don't use the word infinite, infinite because we don't know what infinite is, but it's incomprehensibly pleasurable, yes. I don't know if there's a connection here with what I'm thinking, yet according to what I read in the Ram Nevuah was always a, a very unpleasant experience. For the unpleasant? Unpleasant, right? Why would it be unpleasant? To get dizzy or throw up or somewhere I Throw up? That. Sounds like having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Nevuah is not a seizure <laughs> and therefore does not require a neurologist to cure. No, That's an important prophecy. idea. What? Oh, yeah, I'm mistaken. Somewhere I thought I read when prophecy right. came through an individual. No, here's what happened. I didn't want to get out there, but here's what happened. No, no. It's not a seizure. You don't throw up. You know, it's not a disease. <laughs> right? Doesn't need the care of a doctor. You know, because even if a person is a Novi and he goes to what, it's not covered by Blue Cross. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the war is. The war is what most people did, you know, what most people, when all of a sudden they would be privy to the Nevoah state, right? What they would do is <coughs> fall down on the ground, obviously they wouldn't bump their head and so on and so forth, you know. They would fall down and they would just lie still, right? And what would happen is very interesting. The person was fully conscious, except he was in complete paralysis. Right? It looks like he was asleep, 
but he wasn't. He was in complete paralysis while on the ground, he would lie down, in complete, which means he couldn't move anything. You know what it's like? It is a disease. I forgot, it's called shut-in. Somebody shut-in syndrome, where the person is completely paralyzed, yet he's conscious. There was a guy who wrote a book that way. He was a, some editor of a magazine in France. And what happened was, it's, I think the vertebra broke or something like that. He, I, I don't remember how maybe he fell. And all of a sudden, his brain got disconnected from his body. But apparently he was still conscious. So here's a person who is completely paralyzed. He's not a quadriplegic, he's worse. Completely, yet for this, this guy, for bizarre reason, he was able to blink. That was the only motion he had in his body left, blinking. So what was amazing is he created an alphabet that if he blinked once, you know, like that, it would mean A. If he blinked twice, it would mean B. And he, they, he wrote a book, not he, I mean, they, they went to figure this out, which is astounding, and he wrote a book of what he was experiencing. And it's called a shut-in syndrome or something like that, you know? So in a certain sense, Navua, you're like that. The difference is that the paralysis is compelled, you know? And what happens automatically is the Shekhinah touches. The Shekhinah touches is misdabek in the neshama, or rather in the shurish of the neshama. Because we have a neshama that goes up. We have five chalokim to the neshama. And the shechina, whatever that means, connects to that neshama, and it sends down what's called a giloi, of a shefa, some incredible divine uh, influence, whatever, whatever that means, and it goes down into the neshama, which is amazing. It's transferred from all the chalakim and shama, and then it hits the guf. It hits what's called so whatever wherever the let's say yechidod and chayon, shomon and ruach and nefesh whatever, and then it hits the nefesh tachtoyno, which is not spiritual. And that's what allows that. That's the life force. And then the nefesh tachtoyno automatically takes over your imagination takes it over, right? And all of a sudden, whatever the information that the Shekhinah wants to give you, and it consists of several ideas. One, the first information is called the image. You actually have an image of the Rebbe but it's a metaphor of what the Rebbe wants to, you know, like Yishai says, I've seen the Rebbe come on a horse, you know, he's all dressed in red. Now, all the, vi the, the uh, vision and so on, the, the, the person is looking at a movie. But his imagination is a screen that is now taken over by the message of the Shekhinah and it goes down the Neshama into Nefesh Nachtoinam and all of a sudden, and this person is looking like he's sleeping. His eyes are shut and he's paralyzed, right? And all of a sudden, it's like a movie being played out. But the incredible thing is, not only is he, does he have a vision, but he also, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's what's called the, the visual aspect of the Nevoah. There's the auditory aspect where he, somebody's talking to him, to Bershom, whatever the image is, right? But there's other things, it's called the epistemological problem is solved. Uh, see, our problem is, you know, how do we know, how do I know you people exist, really? I mean, I see a lot of people there, but really all it is is a bunch of light waves that hit you and then impinges on my retina and then forms an image in my brain. For I know you don't really exist. And I don't even know why I'm saying this year. 
But you you know, know. if you think about it, my ex was that? You're not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the problem we all have is the certainty of the reality that we experience. We don't really know what's out there, really. All I know is that my brain is sending me images to my intellect. It's saying, hey, my, you know, it's, my senses pick up something, but their senses, and that, those signals are converted to electrical signals, which hit the brain, whether it be through the retina or the canal, the auditory canal, and the brain interprets that. It's unique. It actually interprets the signals being sent from the senses. But I don't know what the interpretation is real. It's the brain's interpretation of what's out there. I have no idea what you guys look like. You know, all I know is that my brain is saying, this is what you guys look like. And then, right, and then that, 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 and that's what I know. So we all have what's called an epistemological, epistemology is a study of the validity of knowledge. How do I know what I know is real? You know, it's a whole branch of philosophy called epistemology. So everybody has that crisis. I don't know what's out there real. The problem is, by Novi, how do you know it was real? How does he know that he's really talking to the British You know what I'm saying? I mean, and it's even worse because it's purely mind. Why do people? He's not even looking. What? Exactly. How do you know he's not hallucinating? Exactly. How do you know he's not, you know he's not dreaming? You know, and the whole problem is how do I? How do you know that the dream is a dream? That's good for the problem. How do I? My dream is a dream. It. it, it you have no idea up. how limited we are. If you don't wake up. No, but even if you don't wake up, you still have the, uh, the, the problem of epistemology, the, the validity of the information. But the, the incredible thing, and the Ramam says this, that the Navua was the only experience a person ever had that included in the information, the visual, the auditory, the metaphors, whatever, was the certainty that what I am actually receiving is real, A, and that it's coming from God, B. We, we, don't, we, we don't even know what that means. No, no information is certain, because that's the limitation of our being. But the, the, no, a, a novi was transcended that crisis of the reality of what he sees. And we don't understand how, what that means. Because the problem was, obviously, if he didn't, he would wake up and say, I, I, I don't know what I just saw. I don't know it was real. could have been just a, you know, I had a seizure. The guy said he had a seizure. And he just had hallucinations. So, not only was the information in whatever form, but there was the validity of that information was absolute. That was the second incredible thing about a Novi. It sounds like it's a new level of existence. Yeah, well, yeah, because... Well, it's far beyond what we can ever imagine. But the third thing about that, which was so unique to a Navua, so like I say, the imagination was compelled. There was no way you were paralyzed completely. And the imagination was taken over, all your, uh, uh, you know, uh, and the information came directly from the Shekhinah. Mm. That's the concept of Novi. Ruch HaKodesh is different, by the way. Not the Ruch HaKodesh that Sadiqim have, the real Ruch HaKodesh, that Rabbi Akiva and the, and the people went to Pardes. But when I came to Ruch HaKodesh, but the Novi had a true communique from God. One. Two. He was paralyzed completely. Two. Three. He was incredibly awake within his mind. I mean, nobody would know that, you know, that's number three. Number four, the information was 
you know, it, it had a video auditory experiential component to it and so on and so forth. Then you had the validity was absolute. But what was also incredible is he didn't have to ask himself, well, how do I understand this? No. The image came together with its interpretation. Instantly. Means he knew exactly what that image was trying to tell him. It was beyond belief, you know. And then besides all that, the Novi experienced a Tainug which we cannot muster. Because whenever you experience the Shrina, the Tainug, the pleasure, the joy was unbelievable. Because he was experiencing a much greater Gilui of the Rabbanishlam, revelation of God's presence. It was something we, the greatest Tainug of all is Nevuah. It's not just in the information and so on, that God is revealing to you secrets or future events. In fact, there were millions of Nevi'im, the times of the Nevi'im. You want to become a Novi, you had to go to school. That's the B'nai Nevi'im. Yeah, actually went to Yeshiva, called them, you know, uh, Nevi'im, Yeshiva, B'nai Nevi'im, and so on, and you would study how to enter the state. But most Nevi'im never had a, a never, they're not written down, there's only 48 Nevi'im. So what were the other guys doing? The answer is they were, they were receiving unbelievable soydis of the Bria. Kabbalistic soydis. That's what they were receiving. It was an unbelievable Kabbalistic uh, wake of phenomenon. That's really what it was. And that's what a Nevoa was. So you had all of that going together. And then obviously the Novi would wake up. Not wake up, but he would get up. He remembered everything. It was flawless. Flawless information. Flawless knowledge. True knowledge, valid knowledge, and, and the pleasure was beyond belief. That's why Peter Beacon became a Novi. You know, you know, um, and, and so on. And, and uh, so, and I, like I say, Navu was the greatest form of Dvekas that can be achieved in, in Mahazel. But it really was a form of Dvekas. So, and Moshe Rabbeinu was even beyond that. He was the greatest Novi. He didn't even have to fall down and get paralyzed. You know, he could just look. You just awake, experience this, which is like, you know, the Nevu of Moshe was the clarity of his vision, you know, because the whole concept of the, there's, there's, there's an obscurement of the vision itself, even though he knew what it meant, but it was obscure. Was Moshe Rabbeinu claw, it's like literally looking to a, like, you know, you ever see resolution, you focus on a camera, and all of a sudden, wow, there it is, no blur. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had the, precision, what he called that, the resolution, was incredible. That's number one. And he was fully awake. And now he didn't have to, and Moshe didn't have to do anything. He would just automatically, Moshe would come to him and there he was. You know, which is very uncomfortable for us. You know, it wasn't God appears. Well, that was the problem with Miriam. You know, she said, you know, he separated from his wife and so on. So that was the reason. Moshe said, hey, you know, I can come to him at any instant time and he's not caught in any position where he shouldn't be doing it. You know, having this divorce, that's why. But it was beyond belief. Could you imagine, you know, and, and uh, you, could you imagine conversing with the Rebunish who's beyond comprehension at any instant time? Who understands what that means? And so on. That was the Nebuah of Moshe. And so on. So therefore, that is the greatest state of Vegas. Which you can achieve in Oinam and Azad, and so on and so forth. But even the Dvekas of Moshe Rabbeinu is insignificant to the Dvekas of Oinam Habal. It's a place beyond our perception. So do not think that you can't experience Dvekas in Oinam Habal. 
in Olam Haba, Olam Hazer. You can't, and that's what Nevoah did. When we lost Nevoah, boy, did we lose an incredible thing. Now we have Hasidus. We had the rule at Har Sinai, it's called Yisroel. Are you a plant by some Rebbe? <laughs> When we had Megua as Klal Yisroel at Har Sinai, how was that different than the two that are explaining Moshe Rabbeinu and the Nabian prophets? Was it different? Who, the Nebuah at Har Sinai? Yeah, that we had as a nation. Uh, oh, you meant then everybody did died? We, no, I mean, we, did we become paralyzed, like the description? No, the, no, no, they didn't become paralyzed. They all died. <laughs> It was a permanent practice. <laughs> was, you know, the interesting thing about that, which is really interesting, is that is the version decided. I, I really, wow, did I digress? No, you're not. You're still in Vegas. I'm still in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> this is one line. It's, 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 at this rate, whatever. <clears throat> the incredible. I'll mention that. You know, just the incredible thing about the first two mitzvahs of the Torah were not given by Moshe. That's, that's obvious. So, but wait a minute. We know that in order to, for, for Torah to enter this Bria, or rather this dimension, it has to be given through the transmission of perfect Nevoah. Moshe Rabbeinu was that Novi. Why? Because only that type of Novi had total, instant, perfect information. There was no distortions. You see? And so therefore... Wait a minute, if the first two mitzvahs were given to Kaiser without Moshe, that means the Nevoah of every Jew was Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah. Amazing. There had to be, or else we could not receive a mitzvah unless the Nevoah was the greatest type of transmission, the highest level of Nevoah. So therefore, for those two mitzvahs, everybody was Moshe Rabbeinu. It was astounding. The problem they had was they couldn't tolerate it. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu was used to this. You know, they, you know, so they were, you know, slaves in Egypt for 210 years, I mean, and so on and so forth, you know, they could not tolerate that Nevoah, so they all died. But the level of Nevoah was a, was a Moses Nevoah, if you want to use that, it was Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah. So that means everybody knew what Moshe Rabbeinu was feeling. You can believe this? You see, that was the only time that ever was that everybody was the equal of Moshe Rabbeinu, at least in what they were receiving. So they all knew what he was getting, which is astounding when you think about that, you know. It's only because they died and so on, and they all ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, we can't take this, please, we need to use an intermediary, you need to be an intermediary, fine. But that, that, that itself has tremendous repercussions. Why did Moshe do that? He knew they would die and so on and so forth. But in the end, we, there was a time when all, ma all Jewish people were equal to the Moshe Rabbeinu. Very important idea. No. But anyway, so this is the concept of Vegas. So what I'm telling you now is this, and I'm trying to differentiate, that there's Shlemus and Chassar, there's perfection and deficiency at the level of Oilam Habo, which means that if you're not in Oilam Habo, you are imperfect, because you're not experiencing Oilam Habo, the existence itself. Then there's Shlemus and there's deficiency in Oilam Haseh, which is a qualitative concept. In the sense that, well, he's smarter than I, and therefore I'm not as perfect as him, and so on. You know, all the variable, the attributes that a person has. Intelligence, and strength, and beauty, whatever there is, and so on and so forth, you know. So, the Ramchal is saying that man was created to be dovok, you know. So, 
the real Dvekas is Ilam Habadin Dvekas. That's what he's created for. And there's no other being that was created for that reason. No other being, you know. Uh, which is the ultimate, you know, it's the ultimate experience of man. And therefore, going to the second level of Shlemus and Chesom, which is the Ulam Hazadega Shlemus and Chesom, you know. So a man is placed between that. Mutelis bin Shlemus de Chesuenus. A person was actually created, right, between, what does it mean between perfection and imperfection? It means that man can be perfect, that there is a state of perfection possible. And there's a state of imperfection possible, and they have degrees. And we're smack in the middle. This is the original state of man. This was Odom Mishnah. But the interesting is, So we have what's called the situation. We have what's called the purpose, which is Shlemus of Oilam Habo. We have the situation now, which is perfection and imperfection of Oilam Hazer. Right? And we have the wherewithal to remove the chasson of Oilam Hazer into the perfection of Oilam Hazer. And that's what the Bansha wants. Right? And we have the, you know, and that's fundamentally. We have the situation, we have the instrument or the wherewithal to get out of that situation, the, you know, and so on, and to get into the purpose, which is the greatest form of Shlemus of all. So is he saying that if you by by gaining perfection of this world, you'll be zocha to the perfection of the next world? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. So th- this is where we're at so far. Is we we are smacking between the, the, the whole thing and so on. Yeah. Um, then he adds, which is we'll talk about. But there's a caveat, there's a condition to this. Your ability to access perfection cannot be compelled. It has to be because you wanted to access perfection, which means that you have to be the cause of perfection, or you have to be the person responsible for the perfection, even if you didn't cause it. There's a difference between responsibility and cause. Cause is a direct cause, Whereas to be responsible is an indirect cause. So that's what you have to be. This is the condition. Now the question is, why is this a condition, you know, uh, that we have to look at and so on? Why is this a condition that you need to cause this and so on and so forth? Okay. That's a very important idea. So um, the next time we get together, I want to talk about Bechira, free will. Because that's a, it's a very important, uh, obviously, condition that to be perfect isn't what God wants. It's, it's interesting. It's a, the Russian doesn't want Shlemus. He wants your Ishtadlus to be Shlemus. Of course he wants to be Shalem, that's what he wants. But what he really, that's a very important idea. The reason why, and that stick answers what you asked, you know, the reason why is there an Oilam Hazer? Why? Why can't it just be an Oilam Hapa? Right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm sure if you took a vote, a poll, you know, and you ask people. Uh, what would you rather have? Depends if it's an entrance poll or an exit poll. Exit poll, yeah, okay. <laughs> if you took a poll and you asked the average guy, well, what would you rather have? Would you rather be, uh, would you rather have um, instant gratification? That's what it's called, right? Or delayed gratification? 
but the concept of delayed gravity, but, but it's okay, give me the pros and cons of each side. Right? What's the pros and cons? So the pro of con, let's take each side. If I have instant gratification, which means I'm in Oilam Chabo now, and I'm experiencing this unbelievable dvekas, yes? But what's the problem here? The problem is incredible experience. But I never caused it. It has nothing to do with me. I'm a complete receiver, you know? And as a result of that, there's something that's incredibly bothersome. Namik Sufa. It's, there's an, which I, I talked about, I gave a whole show on that. There's an incredible, there's a problem with this. There's like, while I'm experiencing this incredible Dvekas, there's an annoying aspect to this. That everything that I'm receiving, I did nothing to do. And that is a tremendous a, a deficiency in the Neshama, <coughs> which I talked about. The Neshama doesn't want to feel, because whatever, and so on. They don't want to feel that it, it did nothing to do this. So the good part, as they say, the pro is, wow, no work. That's the way Hashem created. Hashem created in a way that it wouldn't be. Yeah, well, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, well, I had talked about, you know, why is there a feeling of Namik Sufa? You know, why not, why, don't create the feeling and you want to have the problem. It's like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, why break it and then you have to fix it? Don't break it. Well, yeah, I, I gave a whole share on that. Look, ultimately speaking, we don't really know why. Why? Because let's take a look at the pros and cons of the other side. So the pro of Oilam Habo immediately is, wow, what an experience, right? The con of that, you know, is the fact that uh, I've got this knowing aspect that I'm just on the receiving end, you know. I'm so welfare check, you know what I'm saying? Uh, whatever. The other side where you do the work, the other side where you do the work is that you're receiving Oilam Habo, but you had a shtadlis. There had to be an enormous effort to achieve it, you know. So therefore, namik sufa, it's called the tikkun of namik sufa, that is no longer there. Because the, whatever I'm receiving is only because I worked, I caused it, or I am responsible, you know. So you remove namik sufa, and that makes the hanor much infinite, much greater. You know, we don't understand why, but that makes it much greater maybe you could say infinitely greater, that the Neshama doesn't have this Namdik Sufa, this bread of shame. What's the flip side? What's the con? The con is this, that if you don't endeavor, you are finished. That's the problem here. It's a risk. It's a gamble. You know, it's true, I'll have more. You know, instead of, my, instead of a million dollar check, I'll have a hundred billion dollar check every week. Imagine that, you know? But the, the problem there is risk. The risk is if I don't do it, if I don't endeavor, and I don't cause it, so there's no Ilum Habo. It's not that there's no Ilum Habo with Nam Sufa. It's like an either or all or nothing, you know? There's no, so, so that, this is the problem. So, you know, so what, which would you rather have? <laughs> Instant gratification at a lower scale, or gratification, a delayed gratification, but at an infinitely greater scale. However, risk that if you don't endeavor, no good. But I have to add one thing, that the Bansham is clearly well aware of this problem. <laughs> well aware. And what the Bansham did, he says, okay, I'm going to what it called, I'm going to really help you out. I'm going to assist you. And there are many assisting devices that we all need, and ultimately we get into Ilam Habo. And the assisting devices are all kinds of ideas. One of them is called Rahmanus, compassion. 
where the judgment is suspended. Another is called another is a yichod or yisurin, the fact that yisurin is going to help us get in. Tshuva and yisurin are assisting devices, by the way. That's really what they are. So you have rachmonus, rachmim. You have erachapayim, which is nothing more than delayed rachmim or extended rachmim, right? You have uh, tshuva. You have yisurin. You know what I'm saying? So and then you have Gilgal. You got a lot of stuff going on that helps a person do it. So in the end, we all get in. By as I say, by hook or by crook. At what level? Though? What? The level could change. Though. Yeah. Okay. But but we all get into the club. You know, it's like nobody's denied entry in that sense. You know. Uh, but you know, like I say, if you but if you took a poll and you asked the people, what would you prefer? You know, I I'm probably pretty much certain that a guy said, hey, you know. Just give me now. Forget about the risk. It's not worth the risk. Because um, we know we live in a world that only wants entitlements. Entitlements means I, I want to I, I want to live now. Okay, so I won't be as so much I know. You know, I'll, I'll live. What's the difference, really? As long as I get into the club and I'm enjoying myself, okay, you know, so better. So which is better? It's like the stock market. You take a risk. But if you take a risk, the returns are much greater, you know? But at the same time, you lose everything. Or you're into a, you go into the bond market, whatever they call that, right? The CD market, where the, the, there's no risk, hopefully not, you know, unless the feds go broke, which is not just pretty... Anyway, uh, unless, the, unless the, the feds go broke. Uh, but, you know, but it's a low interest. What are they collecting now? Two percent, 1% interest? It's ridiculous, you know? So, it's the standard, the, 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 uh, this is the standard structure and so on. Okay, fine, but the Russian, obviously, he felt that this was the better way to go with all the assisting devices. That's really why. You have all the assisting devices, and that itself is a whole limud in itself. What are the assisting devices? How do we take advantage of them and so on, you know? And, you know, Russian is an assisting device that we know there's a judgment, so we, hopefully we can get our, our act straight together because we know we're being judged, you know. It's really an assisting device. If we didn't know that, we'd say, hey, we don't know what's happening. So we can go our whole life without even thinking about doing tshuva, you know. So there are, there are who knows how many assist, assisting devices that will get us into Ilam Habba. But the beauty of it is there's no Namdik Sufa, you see. So we'll get into Ilam Habba without a Namdik Sufa, and the, the experiencing will be infinitely greater. And so obviously the Russian felt there's a better way to go and so on and so forth, you know. Um, but remember, you know, if, you, if, you, if, you, if it's delayed gratification, it's not just the risk, but there's an incredible amount of evil, because then evil becomes part of our experience. Because that's the shlemus. Well, why would it be deficiencies? The whole concept of perfection deficiency, which is Oydem Hazir, all, all, all of a sudden, chesar means what? Evil, bad, terrible, you know. All the things are part of the the situation that we have to be in in order to overcome these situations and get in the It's not an easy trip, what can I tell you, you know? Um, what can I tell you, you know? But anyway, that's the situation we're in and uh, we try to do our best. Uh, anyway, so any questions? Yes. Well, I can't believe I uncovered three lines. Wait, what is, I asked this question. But there's a lot of ideas. Hope I give you a lot of ideas, a lot of fundamental information that you need to know to begin to form an entire structure, a, ju- a Judaic structure of what it's all about. Yeah? Where does Gan Eden fit in? Where does Gan Eden fit in? Fit in. 
Yeah. Gan Eden is tied <coughs> to the whole concept of death. If there was no death, there would be no Gan Eden. There would be, no? Adam Arishan was not in Gan Eden? Well, I'm not talking about his existential state, you know, but I'm talking about the Gan Eden of today. Gan Eden today is a repository of Nishamas that are waiting to come back. It's a holding place. You know, that's really what it is. So that Ganadin of what we know today is a repository, is a way station for Nishamas. Because there is no Ilam Habo yet. The problem is no Ilam Habo yet. So what do we experience there? Uh, ain't Ilam Habo. Means because uh, you know, I'm talking about well there's a Ganadin. Once you're in Ganadin and that's where you stay, so you do experience based on your life here, there's there, there's something going on there, obviously that tremendous experience and so on and so forth, but it is not a limhabo, you know. Uh, so it's more than Nivua or it's less than Nivua? Much, 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 any, much more than Nivua. Much more than Nivua. Not even comparison. Remember, Nivua in the end is, an Ilum, is the greatest spiritual experience of Ilam Hazir. No, no, I'm talking about Ganadin. Ganadin is Ilam Hazir. So Ganadin is also much more than Nivua? Uh, yeah, much more, sure. Sure. Because it's a true spiritual experience. Whereas even a Novi had to experience the Burnishlam through the body. And that automatically limits. Gamayin is Ilam Hazir. It's not Ilam Hazir. There's no goof. There's no goof, but the Nisham is there. Ilam Habo doesn't exist yet. That's why it's Habo. You know, we need to create Ilam Habo. This is what we we need to create Ilam Habo, which we will talk about. Uh, so the, my okay, that's it. My uh, is eight thirty good, or is it too early, or is nine?